To the denizen of downloaders tuning in, thanks very much for allowing this podcast into your respective auditory canals. There's a lot of love in this room, and it's for you. The festive season is well and truly in full swing, and the media is bombarding us with food advertising, food programming, food sales, food ideas, and many a show about cooking. In this instalment of the Dukey Radio Show, we'll undertake the most extensive analysis of food-related television programmes ever recorded on a podcast. In addition, the diets of your favourite dictators get examined. Semi-naked karaoke events are featured in scintillating situations in your city. We'll discover the alternative meanings of otter and twink, a 1980s international smash hit gets put up against a World War II British classic tune in the welcome return of ripped off or inspired and lesbian friendly pronouns are observed in overheard. Are you troubled by spots, blemishes and flaky skin? Well, download the Dookie Radio Show every Monday and your skin will be looking clear, radiant and luscious in no time. The Dookie Radio Show, your key to beautiful skin. Oh, hello, darling. Has anybody told you that you've got beautiful skin? Yes, all the time. My alarm clock hasn't sounded off or actually woken me up in ages and it still works it's a retro 1970s digital alarm clock which when manufactured evoked the 1970s idea of the future and is it made out of wood dookie no it's made out of plastic but the plastic resembles metal it looks basically like something that Captain Cook would be what fiddling does, with on the Enterprise. What does it? the alarm sound like? Oh, okay. It sounds like lasers. It sounds uh, like lasers from Star Wars. a 1970s sci-fi film. Now, I'm going to assume that this is like an eBay purchase. E- yes. Yes. Now, how did I know that, Dookie? I don't know how you I know knew that. Well, I know that, firstly, that you wouldn't have had this, you know, from childhood, firstly. Far too young. And secondly, I know that you're a bit of an eBay guy. I have my bay moments. I, when I was growing up, I had a fake wood alarm clock, the kind where the numbers turned over. Right, Like on the yes. little plastic, they like 
and it had the most hideous alarm. Do, should I mimic the alarm for you? Absolutely. It went. Aah! It was horrible. I saw this film recently, which dates back to the 1970s, called Kentucky Fried Movie. It's made by Abrams yes. Zucker Abrams, and in the film there is an alarm that gets sounded off in this evil bunker run by a guy called Dr. Clark. And it's just a guy with a megaphone going, "Ah, ah, 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 ah." That's very mature humour, isn't it, Dookie? I quite like the film. Anyway, my alarm clock has a sound which is not dissimilar. Basically, you don't want to leave your dream time existence to the sound of lasers. No. I can see that. Now, it's not so much that I've been waking up off my own steam or that nightmares have forced me to look at the harsh daylight reality that is the real world, but my dog has been waking me up. She has quite a lot of noises, I've noticed. She has about 15 different noises and her (laughs) morning wake-up calls are quite unique. Um, yeah, and I should just say, for the benefit of our listeners, she is actually in the studio, and Marcia now has got me worried about the wart on her eye. She's had that from the time that oh, she has was she? adopted. Oh, so this isn't a new growth? No. Okay. No, it's not. And nobody's worried about the wart? She's half Border Collie okay. and Border Collies... And half wart, no. Uh, yes. Yes. And Border Collies do get them, but... Ah, uh, yes, I see. I have a photo which I took of her when she first entered my life. Right. And she had a wart then. And the oh, wart size has Wait, it doesn't do anything changed. to diminish the attractiveness of her, her dogginess because she's a very attractive animal. Yes. She's a very attractive animal. She's aesthetically pleasing she's in the... She's very aesthetically pleasing. I know, Martha, I know, Martha, you're not all that big on dogs, but you have to admit that she is an attractive-looking dog. Yeah. Yeah, you know, whatever. Okay. <laughs> Lately, she has been sticking her snout in my face and going, <laughs> Oh, Dookie, does she really? Yes. Dookie, we really need to meet Leon and Matt. I know we were talking about them last time. And, uh, you know, I have actually seen, I have watched the episodes again. We are talking about a show called... Dog Hotel. Dog Hotel. But it's based on House of Hugo. Yes. Not based on, but that's the hotel in the show. Yes, Is and it? on the last Dukey radio show, we spoke at length about our adoration of that show and... Uh, the two the owners show, of the hotel. The two owners of the hotel, uh, Matt and Leon, and... Yes, they live an idyllic existence. Dookie, this actually segues nicely into scintillating situations. Hit me. So we do scintillating situations, Dookie. Yes. Please do not do the screamies. We are only here to explore the scintillating situations happening in your shitty. Sit back and enjoy. Our old friends, Hot Tub Cinema, who are friends of all this podcast and all the Dookie Podcast listeners, all know about Hot Tub Cinema, and now we have Pillow Cinema, don't we? Yes. Yes, so now, Dookie, December 14th, Hot Tub Cinema 
karaoke with Lucky Voice. Right. And Dookie, can I just say, I know nothing else about it. All I know is that when you go onto their website, because I am now a subscriber, you get 14th of December, Hot Tub Karaoke with Lucky Voice. So... I don't know what that means. In effect, you'll have a bunch of half-naked people... Oh, God. ...in a pool of their own filth with jets going everywhere, singing badly. Ah, Christ, this sounds like my idea of hell. You're going to get my fat ass into a bikini first and then you're going to make me sing second. Is that what what you're saying? That sounds like the makings Uh, of the date. Oh, God. Well, yes. I mean, I think it could be hellish, okay? But you have to... We have to say that it probably won't be boring. Will it, Dookie? Uh, Certainly not, no. Yeah, but there's worse things than boredom. I mean, come on, you can... Uh, Lucky Voice is the type of karaoke player that gets used, and I have a feeling that it's an industry standard in the world of... So it's just hot tub karaoke. Basically, yes. Fantastic. Don't drop the microphone. I think we should go. Oh, is that a microphone that you've got there? Or you just ha- oh god, you really are happy. To yeah, say I no. bet there's a lot of that. I bet there's a lot of that. Yeah, there's like there's gonna be a lot of that. You know what I mean? Oh dear. It's hot tub karaoke, guys. I thought that you would be a little bit more enthusiastic. The idea. And of- I can't sing, and like any woman, especially a woman of a certain age, I'm not feeling, you know, great about getting into a bathing suit, but I'm still enthusiastic. Basically, you could take anybody who is aesthetically pleasing. Yes. And somebody that oozes charisma and sexual charm. Yes. Then imagine them half-naked, sweaty, and then straining to hit the high note. It's not really seeing people in the best light or in the best water. Yes, but that's that's what could be fun about it. Hmm. You're not convinced, are you, Dookie? No, it sounds like my idea of hell. And neither are you, Marcia. No, I'm with Dookie on this one. So, Sylvia, when are you going? Well, obviously on the 14th of December. I'd rather sit at home and chew on tinfoil myself personally, but, you know, knock yourself out. Okay, so should we go on to the second thing then? Hit me. Are you ready for this? Hit me. And this is where I thought about Matt and Leon. This is... Naked Boys Reading Club. Naked Boys Reading Club. Naked Boys Reading Club. So what you do is you go along. It takes place in Sudoke, Newington, um, at a place called Vogue Fabrics, for some reason. They make... Yes. So it's a fabric store, I suppose. On uh, 66... That's a good number for me. 66 Stoke Newington Road, uh, N16... And you go along. The it's, whole address is very. It's a great address for me. Um, it's present, very good for you. It's presented on the last Thursday of every month, and the doors open at seven thirty. And it's a nude literary salon, featuring in the buff readings by. And I'm going to quote their website here because I like this. Right. Okay. 
So it's in the buff readings by local beefcakes, bears, twinks, otters, butch femmes, sissy sluts, boys next door, and with an exhibitionist streak and lovers of naturism with a well-endowed library. Right. Doesn't this sound fantastic? Big of brain and big of other attributes. I just want to see it's this. It's so fabulous, it's more like a glittery festival. Oh, it, uh, aren't you clever, Dookie? That's I so have clever. my moments. I just want to see the sissy sluts, personally. That's and another Sylvia kind of It's a sissy slut, <laughs> yes. I think that if Marcia and I ever create this girl band that we keep talking about that we should we would really have to call it the sissy sluts wouldn't we the sissy sluts so and i just want to see the bears the twinks and the now uh, can we just mention this i know what a beefcake is you know what a beefcake is right yes and i know what a bear is yes right i can guess what a twink is I can guess that that's young, very young and very pretty. I believe so. I, I, you know, I'm thinking like an 18-year-old, like people who try out for X Factor and look, you know, like a pretty 18-year-old. That's what I think a twink is. Right. right? And I, I know what a butch femme is, right? We can guess that, right? Yes. Through the glorious vessel of information, I can tell you that a twink stands for teenage white into no kink that's ah that's very specific so i was right about the young the aesthetic and the age side of things ah, you are bang on about okay but um so perhaps it- we may have overlooked the lack of kinkiness it scares me that when you look that up on your computer, that what also comes up on that page is an advert for Asian beauty. That's just something I'm into. That's quite scary. Um, is it is an otter someone who's just shaved all over so they're like sleek? Uh, no, actually, I have just found this out through the medium of the lovely Google. There are other search engines. Um, it's actually somebody who's very hairy all over. Oh, but it's smaller in frame and weighs considerably less than a bear. All right, so an otter is small and hairy and a bear is big and hairy. So That would seem to be right. They share a pursuit characteristic. Yes, they are. But their stature resides at opposite ends yes. of the spectrum. And and the, you know what I love about this is they're not reading like uh, gay boy like fan fiction or anything like that. They're not reading like Alan Hollinghurst or, you know, The Line of Beauty, which is a big gay novel if you don't know it. Maybe you do. I'm not trying to insult anybody's intelligence here. They're read. You want to know what they're reading? They're reading a book called Some Reflections on Schoolboy Psychology in Totem and Taboo and Other Works by someone called James Strachey. Now... Any relation to listen? Yes, Dookie, you've got a very good memory. Is that the guy that you have the head in your room? Yes, I do have a bust in my house of the very lovely and very wonderful... Lytton Strachey, who was a writer at the turn of the century, and he was the bitch queen from hell. 
And that's why I love him. Because he was just such a bitchy bitch queen. And he was friends with Virginia Woolf. And I think they used to get together and do lots of sniping about other people. Anyway, his his brother, James, actually was uh, a patient of Freud. And he went on to write some books about Freud, of which one of which is being read at Naked Boys Reading Club. So, see, Dookie, that's what I like. You get some aesthetics, so you, you get to look at some lovely, lovely boys and get educated at the same time. And where else could you do that in the world outside of this lovely city of ours? It's certainly going to be a draw for those twinks, otters, and bears who just love glitterature. And and sissy sluts. Don't forget about the sissy oh, sluts. Oh, indeed. Oh, I'm so sorry to Don't all these sissy sluts. Never forget about the sissy. I'll never forget you, sissy sluts. Oh, that's that riff from that band, Day Traveller or something. Oh, that's another riff. Something about being satisfied. Is it with the all the spine? I really do. I want to know. And I hate fade outs. Is it ripped off or inspired? I want to know. Ripped off or inspired has not been featured on the Dookie radio show in a number of months. I'm terribly sorry. For the uninitiated, we take a popular song or a well-regarded tune and ascertain whether or not its composition contains elements that have ripped off another song or if the feel or delivery of the said track has merely been inspired by the work of another artist, band or composer. Today's instalment features Level 42's Lessons in Love, an enormous slap bass infused international smash hit for the British band in the mid-1980s. some trivia for you. I once recorded a goth version of this very track complete with a Peter Murphy from Bauhaus style delivery. I'm not proud I was wrong and the truth is hard to take. What can I say? I'm a pale man with dark hair. Goth is invariably a step away from me at all times. But what inspired Level 42 to create Lessons in Love? Mark King explains. When playing in holiday camps, playing something like We'll Meet Again, the Vera Lynn song, because it's big with the holiday camp people at the end of the night, there's something in there and you think, that is such a great caudal sequence, you know. I might use that somewhere. We'll meet again, don't know where, don't know where. And that sequence, I couldn't get that idea out of my head. So, And that's where the, I'm not proud, I was wrong, and the truth is hard to take. We'll meet again. Don't know where, don't know where. I'm not proud, I was wrong. 
And there you have it, the English singer Vera Lynn, who is still going strong at 97 years of age, inspired Mark King from Level 42 to co-write Lessons in Love. And judging from the chord sequence and melodic similarities between it and the wartime song We'll Meet Again, I would say this is a case of inspiration rather than ripping off. Overheard, which, in effect, you haven't heard. No. But our esteemed partner in crime, Sylvia Silversmith, her of scintillating situations in your city, actually took in. Yeah. So, uh, and and Sylvia actually recommended using this. Um. So I'll just set the scene, and then Sylvia is gonna. Tell you what the overheard was. Uh, we had a ladies' night the other night. Uh, had some friends round, and there was a woman there that uh, neither of us know all that well. We've met. You've met her before once, and I'd never met her before. And uh, yeah, she's cool. We like this woman a lot. Uh, it's just that we didn't know her very well. So we were all kind of hanging out and, and drinking and smoking. Don't smoke, kids, but that's what we were doing. And the next day, Sylv and I were kind of chitting, chatting about the the previous evening and about this, uh, you know, this woman in particular. And Sylvia, over to you. Yes. So what I overheard Marcia say was. I wasn't sure whether she was a lesbian or not, so I was keeping my pronouns neutral. Yeah, Jesus, my hemorrhoids, hoy. Has a wart. My dog does have a wart, and I think it adds character yeah, it adds, to her. Yeah, it, it adds something. But we're not here to talk about Molly the Sprolly's wart. We're here to talk about Bean and Gone, in which you, Marsha McDonald, our trusty roving reporter, travel the many highways, byways, and indeed alleyways in search of decent independent coffee retail establishments. Marsha, where did you go this week? Uh, we're talking about consistency. That's consistency. what we're talking about. And it's funny that you should mention alleyways, because the place I got in mind is kind of nearly could be down one. Right, so <sighs> is this 
somewhere in deepest Soho run by an Italian family since 1950-whatever? No. What part Dookie, of the world are we talking about? You know this place. Well, you you probably do. It's in Wapping. Oh, I do indeed. This is a local establishment which is comparatively new. I think it was uh, yeah. opened about a year and a half or so ago. Cinnamon. Cinnamon. And the reason why it's called cinnamon isn't necessarily due to their use of the spice. It's due to the name of the road it's on. Yeah, it's on Cinnamon Street, which is kind of, you know, a dead street. You know, it's kind of, there's, you know, it's kind of a dead end. So that's why you may, you know, it's kind of like an alleyway. But it's not. There are cobblestones. There co- yeah, there's cobblestones and there's big warehouse apartments around... This place is really dinky. It's on the corner. Uh, if you go get the chocolate and peanut cake, because it's amazing. And they do great coffee. And I've been a number of times now. And I'd say I've been like, I don't know, like eight times now. Which for me, to come away from the big corporates... To go to the same independent eight times is kind of a miracle. So it says that they're doing something right. Now, I go there for my takeaways. My takeout, you know, what do you, how do you people say it? Takeaway. Take, I got it right, okay. And um, what do you order? What is the normal Marsha McDonald litmus test for judging the consistency of an independent coffee well, retail establishment? Because in the- Coffee shop. In the mor- do you care about this? I don't know if you care about I this. I believe our listeners will. In the morning, I have a, a black coffee because that's what I need. You know, I need, you know, just straight up, get it up there, get it down there, get it wherever it needs to go, get that caffeine in. You know, it needs to just be a straight shot. I don't need any mucking about with, you know, any milk, any, no, just get it in. Yeah, that's what I'm saying to you, Dookie. You got to get it in. You got to get the caffeine in. I'm not messing around in the morning, right? But you also care about flavor and the means yeah. with which this caffeine is delivered yeah, to yeah, your Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's got to taste good, but y- yeah. It's got to, you know, no buts. You know, it's got to taste good and I just, you know, I need to get it in, right? In the afternoon, it's more of a, you know, kind of laid back kind of dealio, right? So, in the afternoon, I'm not averse to a cappuccino. I usually have it with soy milk because I'm not a big cow milk kind of gal. Not because of any weird vegetarian stuff that you and and Sylv have going on, but just because the idea of drinking something out of an animal's udder kind of gives me the heebies. There are other means to be able to get that milky type of uh, yeah i'm not saying uh, you know if you want to do that that's great you know i eat cheese so you know it doesn't make any sense you know we all have these food things nowadays that don't actually make a lot of sense oh we have some food things yeah and i you know i'm not proud of it because you can you know i eat cheese by the truckload you know i eat a fuck ton of cheese you know every day but fuck ton is that metrical imperial i I, yeah i think it's whichever one the states has Right. Which one? What do you have over here? I never understand that. We have a mixture, really. We a lot of our measurements here are imperial, but strangely well, enough, temperature. That's old school. That's imperial. That's imperial. Yes. Okay. Yeah, I do inches and Fahrenheit. Imperial. Anyway, so uh, whereas in the UK we use miles here, 
yet on the news, we go metric. Yeah, that it's as messed up as your teeth. Uh, not your teeth, but I mean like a lot of British I people. I hear you, yes. Uh, you got really good teeth. Uh, you got like American teeth. Yeah, bite Um, Yeah, so, they, you know, I eat a fuck ton of cheese, and but uh, the idea of drinking milk kind of creeps me out a little. So, you know, I'm not saying it makes sense. You know, don't write me any letters. I don't want any letters from, you know, PETA or whatever. Good luck to you. But I don't, I don't need letters. I'm just saying, uh, you know, I just, you know, if soya milk's there, I'll probably have it. That's what I'm saying. And cinnamon in whopping. Yeah. Do they regularly stock soya milk? They do. And I usually have cappuccino with an extra shot, which means you get three shots. You know, I'm not messing around in the afternoon. I need something to get me through making dinner and... You know, whatever I'm going to make that night. I hate cooking. So, you know, I got to get something to get me through. You know, that's what I'm looking for. But, you know, it can be a little bit more laid back in the more than in the morning. And, uh, you know, I've been having it with cake. You know, it seems like a cakey time of year, you know. And, you know, it, it's been good every time. The same good. And the people are friendly. And it's great. And the cakes really taste as though they've been made with love. Have you been there, Dookie? Many times, Ah, yes. you've had the cake. I certainly have. Because I know you're not a coffee guy. I- I'm not. Um, I have had the hot chocolate. Yeah. And I've had their tea. Yeah. Um, for me, I have to say the cakes are amazing. They're, they're really, really, really good. Not so good on the hot chuck. The hot chocolate was a little bit sweet, I'll be honest. Okay, okay. Um, but that's down to taste and whatever product they're using. I have to say their cakes are extraordinary. And if you'd like to sample some extraordinary cake and brilliant cappuccinos and coffees, Cinnamon Coffee Shop in Wapping, 103 Wapping Lane, London E1W 2RW. Yeah, but the crossroad is Cinnamon Yeah, so it's actually the crossroad rather than the main road it's on. You know what I love about it is the people in there are really friendly. Uh, For some reason, they don't have a menu. When I first started going there, they had a menu. You know, it's all the usual. Now, Mike, you can ask me. Yes. And and now it's just like, well, I guess I'll go off-piste. You know, I guess... You know, I presume they still have cappuccino, you know. And and another thing that I love about it, there's this young woman working in there. You know, she's like this delicate little flower. You know, she looks like this little, like a little daffodil. She's this pretty little thing. She's like really nice. And then one day I notice she hands me over my, my cappuccino. She's got love and hate tattooed on her knuckles. Depending, I love that. It's great. I like that juxtaposition. Depending upon whether or not she's left-handed or right-handed, you may be treated differently. Well, exactly. And there's another guy in there. He's really nice, you know, and and he's more British than you are. And he just happens to look like an imam. And it's like, you know, that's that's really cool. You don't usually see some guy who looks like an imam working in... Have I got that right? Are you basically saying this person looks like he could be a jihadist? Yeah, you know, it's like, you know, he's got all the look, right? You know, you're like, don't go getting all radicalized on me. But then he opens his mouth and he sounds like you. And, you know, so that's why it makes me think, you know, he's he's nice. You know, he's nice. You know, he might not be religious at all. He just happens to look like an imam. 
fuck face value. Yeah, yeah, and and he, you know he's a he's a nice guy, and he's and he's a handsome guy, and he's really polite, and he makes a good coffee, and you know I. I like a juxtaposition where you you walk in one of these places and you're expecting a certain type of staff or a certain type of customer and you get something that's completely the opposite. I like that. So that's it. Yeah, go. Yeah, go there. I'm I'm worried about this lump on your dog's eye. It's a wart. Uh, Yeah, why don't you get it hacked off or something? He cheated on me with a lifeguard. If food be the food of life eat on. We're going to be talking about food, food programs, books on food. Sylvia, I understand you have come across a book dealing with the diets of people of note. Yes, you could put it that way, Dookie. People of some note. It's so funny because it's, there's a lot of food obsession in the press and at Christmas that just goes ballistic. Ballistic. It goes ballistic, Dookie. So everything you read in the media is like a little mini cookbook. And the book reviews get all kind of foodalicious as well. And I happened to come across a book review about a book called Diets for Dictators. Diets for Dictators. I think I need to buy you this book for Christmas. The thought of it warms the cockles of my inner fascist. It Well, two of the stories stood out for me in particular. Now, there was one gentleman who was in charge of Germany between, and he was most famous for his being in charge of Germany between the years 1939 and 1945. Some people referred to him as the Fuhrer. Yes, and he was a mustachioed gentleman. Now, it is a very, very famous fact about this particular person, if you want to call him that, that he was a vegetarian. But this book apparently, now remember, I haven't actually read the book. I've only read the review. So that could be annoying for people that I haven't actually read the, re- the, the book itself. But going from the review, apparently this Fuhrer was not a vegetarian all the time. He was an intermittent vegetarian. This is interesting because you and myself are both veggies. And although we don't get all holier than thou and in your face whenever dietary preferences come up. No. The preachy sort. For those people who are, shall we say, a bit more political with the vegetarianism, the carnivorous people will usually throw the Fuhrer's name right into the hot conversational stockpot as a way of defending their meat-eating stance. That's not really bigging up your... Ar- I mean, it's not bolstering your argument, though, is it? It's not, you know, I'm a vegetarian and yeah, great, because Hitler was too. No, 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 it's the other way around. It's, oh. it's that the detractors oh, of I this see. particular lifestyle will go, you know, oh, you hippy-dippy people. You know, did you know that the Fuhrer, he was, he was uh, a yeah. veggie? What do you even? You know how many people he killed, and you get that kind of dynamic happening. But now we can say, well, mate, you know if you're, he was he was a vegetarian, what are you going to do about it? And we can now go, you know, he was intermittent. He was intermittent. He was intermittent. Therefore. And what is even more interesting to me? Well, I know it will be to you, Dookie, and probably to many of your listeners. 
he only became a vegetarian because he had a certain gaseousness problem. Fear of farts. Yes, he had fear of flatulence that he was trying to cure with a vegetarian diet. Now, I'm thinking that vegetarianism isn't the best way to cure that particular problem. I have to say, when I moved from being a carnivore into the veggie world yes my windy pops increased yeah now see i don't find that personally but one time i did try to become a vegan right so i was a vegan for a month and that particular problem reared its ugly head to the point where i actually had to contact one of my friends who has been a strict vegan for years and say to her what is the deal with the gaseousness? And she said to me, Sylvia, you just have to embrace it. So, you know, it's a largely grain and plant-based diet is going to cause you particular problems in the digestive area. So the Führer had windy pops. Yes. These windy pops made him none too pleased And he did various things within his capacity. And he would then explore vegetarianism as a means to deal with the Windy Pops. Yes. Now. This has got me thinking. Sorry. Yes. No, go ahead. Go ahead. This has got me thinking. In the UK, we have a product called Deflatine, which it does what it says on the tin. And it makes me wonder whether or not the Führer's Windy Pops could have been neutralized without him having to eschew the world of Wiener schnitzel. And we know how much Austrians love their Wiener schnitzel. This did not make the Führer happy at all. Indeed, World War II may never have happened had the Führer had Deflatine. Well, Alka-Seltzer is a peace protest. Uh, You know, I like it. And I like it. You know, I'm not familiar with Deflatine. You know, we have Alka-Seltzer. You know, Alka-Seltzer for peace. It could be a whole new bumper sticker kind of movement. Fizzy good good for the peace should should. Well, Dookie, before... That makes no sense. I think you should also know that there was a certain man who was uh, appointed himself to be leader of Libya. Right. Yes. Now, Actually, wait, can we go back to the Führer, though? Yes. No, go ahead. Yes, This has course. got me thinking. We can. Yes. This has got me thinking. Now, the country that he presided over... Yes. ...produced a band who formed in the late 60s called the Scorpions. Yes. And for me, it's so quite, quite indicative of the peace process and how Windy Pops feature in that after... After the collapse of the war, the Scorpions put out an enormous hit called Wind of Change. Ah, very good. It's beautiful, isn't it? Oh, dookie the nostalgia. For those stripy leggings they used to wear. Oh, it makes me want to be free of farts. Oh. The Do- Scorpions know something about this. Do- and I reckon D-Day could have been replaced 
by Deflatine. Dookie. Yes. You need to say the phrase Windy Pops again and just look at Martha's face when you say it. Windy Pops. Oh, dear. You see that wince? Yeah, that's that. That's not not good for me. Not that. Yeah, not good. Fuhrer farts. Yeah, that's better. Yeah, let's not cutesy pie it all up there, you know? As though Deflatine is somehow sophisticated. Yeah, but, yeah, but, you know, at least that's the name of something. But, you know, that kind of baby talk makes me nauseous. The Windy Pops of Change. So I think you both need to know, then, about this particular man who presided over Libya for quite some time, I'm, I'm aware of. Yes. And he was disposed of in quite some recent history. Am I right? In quite a public and dramatic fashion, yes. yes. And he also was renowned for looking like a melted waxwork. Particularly in his later years, yes. Yes. His flatulence was off the charts. I wish I was there. To the point where all of his cronies actually were very, very aware of his flatulence and were constantly standing back from him. And he seemed to take pride in it. So unlike the man in Germany in history, this particular man of more recent history sounded actually quite proud of his flatulence and didn't try to do anything to get rid of it. That was wonderful. In many cultures in North Africa and in the Middle East, matters of wind are accepted in a way that they are not in the Western world. In some cases, I believe that belching, for instance, is seen to be a celebration of a delicious meal. Yes, I hear in China that it's actually impolite not to belch after a meal has been served to you. And perhaps that particular leader from Libya was thanking his partners in crime for good dictatorship. Yeah, Dookie, I don't think he was grateful for anything. Assisting in his... Excellent dictatorship. All I know is that, A, I think you need to go to the Middle East where you'll just be in hysterics all the time. And B, I think we need to get this book for you because it does sound rather interesting. I mean, who else could there be? Could there be like Ceausescu's diet? Absolutely. Stalin. I'd love to know what that man had for brekkie and whether or not... He used his moustache as a flavour saver. Ooh, that's nasty, Dookie. That's not nice. He created the purges, but what did he binge on? Oh, clever. That is very clever. I reckon he liked cabbage. Can we get away from the, you know, I'm sorry to be uptight here, but can we move away from the, the, the gaseous? Let's move away from the wind, but let's stay with the cause of wind, or one of the causes of wind, food. There are many, many, many different food programmes on our television screens, and we're going to talk about them. We've divided them into eight categories starting with shut it down sorting out your shit food sorting out your shit food any of those programs in which an expert visits your restaurant which appears to be shit and sorts out your shit food shit decor 
shit everything. The thing about this, Dookie, that I've noticed that you put here. So you've got Restaurant Redemption, which is the one with Ching. This is quite a new show. Yes. She's the Taiwanese Gordon Ramsay in many ways. Yes, and she only goes to like Chinese or Japanese food restaurants or Taiwanese or Vietnamese. They call it in the US Asian fusion, I ah, think. So the thing that's the thing about her is that it's like it's scripted. A little bit, yes. So she goes in and they're really happy to see her and then she eats the food, like she eats like one bite of the food and then spits it out. And then tells them that their food sucks. That's not good. And then they say, no, it doesn't. Our food's good. And then they're all resistant, right? We're not changing our menu. And then they say, oh, well, great-grandma Ming has this amazing secret recipe. And then they use the secret recipe that's a sauce or something, and then everybody comes around and it turns out okay. I mean, basically, she seems to take very simple ingredients. Nothing wrong with that. It's a thing that works. But she'll add something to it, and that becomes the signature flavor, if you will, for this newly revamped restaurant. The thing, can I just say what I don't understand about these shows? Mm. You know, these shows have been around for a while. You know, you got Kitchen Nightmares, you got Kitchen Takeover, you got the Kitchen Job. Mm. Was that the one in New Zealand? I run a restaurant here in Auckland. It's sheet. Yes, that's the one. This reminds me of another facet that you need to have disagreeable people in order to make it work the kiwi one has an american guy that's based over there named john polino and here's a little snippet to give you a flavor for the show i'm john polino i've worked in restaurants my whole life first new york now new zealand i'm a restaurant fixer give me a dive and in just a week i'll go in and make it a winner he sounds like a really nice dude, doesn't dude. he? Dude. Yeah. And he is yeah, a nice dude. Yeah. Dude. What does he have? A bunch of idiots. Uh, yeah. What? John Polino looks like he should be an actor. He, right. he is one of the best looking people to have ever left New York and moved to New Zealand. And he deals with people. And it's very much done in the same format as Kitchen Nightmares or Restaurant Redemption. Only the Kiwis... And the same can be said of the Canadian version of the show, uh, which I've forgotten the name of. It's... Re- restaurant Takeover. Restaurant Takeover. The Kiwis and the Canadians are just too agreeable to make it entertaining. So, whereas Ching will be in the middle of some godforsaken part of Ohio... And this is not Chinese food. Some Chinese-American will get all up in her ass about how the, the food is good and how dare you change the recipe. Our food's Whereas fucking good, Ching. John Polino will tell somebody, uh, you know, your food, it, it's lacking. Oh, do you think so, Mart? Yeah, I think we need to maybe look at revamping your menu. Okay, we'll, we'll do that as quickly as possible. Um, will you give me a hand? Uh, yeah. So there, there's no tension there. And it's the same thing with the Canadians. On the Canadian show, they're so agreeable that they've decided to add an interior decorator who then gets into arguments with the contractors over the revamping of the restaurant. Well, you know, you, you got to have an argument. No, you don't. Right? The thing that I don't understand is, you know, they, they go into these places, especially Ramsey, right? Uh, he goes in... And they don't have any customers. They haven't had any customers for six months, right? They got 28 people, family members working there. 
but the place is a pigsty, right? What's this? Exactly. So what, you know, if I'm standing around and my business is going all to hell, you start with having a cleanup. You know, get out the Ajax. It's not that hard. But then he comes in, he's like, well, what are you doing? You got time to lean. You got time to clean, right? And then these people get all defensive about how their original menu is great. I've been making this chow mein for 20 years. The customers love it. But they don't have any fucking customers. So they're getting all worked up and defending their dishes when in reality the dishes are shit and people in the neighborhood think it's shit. Yet by the grace of Gordon Ramsay's hand or Ching's hand or, hi, I'm John Polino. Suddenly there's a queue of people around the corner and it all ends up quite happily. Wow, that was tricky. It seems as though, like in the case of Kitchen Nightmares, surely if you know that a big television crew are going to be coming in and you've watched the show before, you know damned well they're going to be looking through your freezer. Get out the scaring pad, people. Should we talk about the next one? Shut it down! Hit me! Sorting out your shit staff. Now, you and I, Dookie, we've been watching Mystery Diners lately. I'm Charles Stiles. We have. It's become a a bit of a guilty pleasure, featuring the most charismatic man to ever grace a television screen, Charles Stiles. I'm Charles Stiles. My word. And his mustache. Don't forget about his mustache. (laughs) Indeed, he he has a a flavour saver with him at all times. And this is a show which, well, it does what it says on the tin. Hi, I'm Charles Stiles. He apparently runs a company called Mystery Diners and various restaurants who are losing money due largely to staff issues, they believe. Hire him in. He brings a crew and CCTVs in every room apart from the loo. And they find out how shit the staff in the restaurants are. The thing I like about Mystery Diners is they're always doing some criminal. Yes. So they're always stealing money or they're, they're putting, you know, a keg of beer in the back of their truck at break or, you know, to take home for later or they're stealing meat or they're... One of them had a, a fake charity. It was a Brazilian uh, restaurant yeah. in Las Vegas. And the fake charity was called something like, oh, goodness, Make It Rain Forest. Yeah, the makeitrainforest.com and the the waiter's going up to your table going, well, you want to give some money to my, my fake, you know, he doesn't say fake, my charity, and they're like handing over 20 bucks. When you've lost loads of money in Las Vegas and you want to fill up on cheap food at a Brazilian restaurant, you're definitely going to be feeling charitable, particularly when there's a photo of a monkey who's not even indigenous to Brazil on the charity literature. Brilliant. But and also on a couple of episodes, people, staff have invited their significant others or indeed work colleagues to um, check out the lose. Oh, yeah. You know, shagging has taken place. You know, I I don't want to admit this. I don't want to have to tell the listeners this, but, you know, I will. I worked in a dry cleaners for five years. Right? Five years. Not the same one, but, you know, a number of dry cleaning. I had a career in dry cleaning. Now, I had keys to the place. I could have, you know, partied, you know. I didn't do any of this stuff. You know, I, I, I was so honest that one time there was a shortfall in the cash register and I made it up with my own money. 
Really? Yeah, because, you know, I, it wasn't, you know, I, it was just, you know, I just made a mistake and I was just like, it's $20 short. I better, you know, I'll make it. So I put my own $20. You know, I wasn't doing anything like, you know, and I just wish I had known. I might have had the occasional cigarette in the back room. You know, you wouldn't, but, you know. Hang on. Yeah. Flammability and the dry cleaning world, surely. Yeah, a little, a little suspect, a little dicey. And oh. it, it's a little bit dicey. And I may have had a shag once on the machine, but that's it. You know, otherwise I was sitting there reading my book. At least you didn't do it in the loo. Yeah, I didn't do it in the loo. That, yeah, that is true. Can, should we move on? Shut it down. Dookie, I'm interested in one of these from the next category, Fat Arth Celebration. And this is sorting out your shit appetite. Yes, you have an appetite for shit food. Well, now we're going to watch people eating loads of it. So, obviously, Man versus Food, presented by the incredibly I enigmatic, I love him to bits, I Adam Richman. Dookie, I love him. I love him so hard. And I think it's because I love a big brain. And he, you know, I know he tries to come out as like one of these real, you know, homeboy kind of people. Like, you know, like... um. Almost like rednecky, but he's or more Brooklyn-y, I suppose I should say. But he's like super intelligent. Ivy League educated. He's like massively intelligent. I believe he went to Yale. Yes. And from Yale he's you know, visits a dive in the middle of Mississippi and I'm about to eat the anomalizer. Oh, Dookie, he could eat my sandwich. Lovely. That's not very, that doesn't sound good, does it? No. Okay, we'll forget that it, I said It that. also, um, uh, this category also would enjoy the company of Guy Fieri. And yeah, his, no, he's an asshole. He comes across as a, a bit of a weapon. I don't like him because I saw some footage of him where he was beating up his driver or his hairdresser <laughs> or somebody. And it's like, once you go down the road of beating people up, I, I'm not having that. I've had band members who have upset me quite intensely, yet I have never physically punched them out of the buzzermobile. He, yeah, what's he with the sunglasses that. on the back of the head? I mean, I know the guy's just a dick. He thinks that the sun shines out of his ass, so he needs to protect the back of his head. Dookie, I think we need to move on to the next one, which is really quite a big category. Shut it down! Making food competitive. Oh my gosh, weren't we talking about Donut Wars? Donut Wars last week in which the humble donut becomes the vessel for <coughs> all kinds of different recipe Sorry. combinations and yes. Donut showdown, I should say. It's Cupcake Wars. Oh, I apologise. With a donut, you just have a showdown. With a cupcake, you have a war. Right, I suppose when you take the fryer out of the equation, the stakes are higher. Is that a pun? It was, actually. Okay, that's good. Thank that you. is good. That is good. I just... Uh, Marcia, what do you think? I think that the judges on these shows need to get a life. I think the people watching them get need it, to get yeah, a life. Yeah, you know, I include myself in there. I'm sitting there with you guys and I'm watching Donut Showdown. I'm thinking, get a life. But, you know, these judges, you know, get a life. There's also Chopped, Master Chef, Junior Master Chef, the Master Chefs from all around the world. There's also. What was the thing with the guy? 
with the gong. Is what was that? Like he would say he he was a man who was I don't know was he Indonesian or was he where was he from? Because and he really played up on the accent. I believe he's Hawaiian. Hawaiian or Hawaiian born or certainly had family from there. But he was channeling something Japanese within him because he would like. Say what that week's mystery ingredient was, like a sumo wrestler, and then bang a big gong. I've seen footage of John Belushi from 1970s era Saturday Night Live, and there was a character, a recurring character, who was a samurai, and it would be John Belushi dressed up as a samurai, and he would eventually lose his shit in very ordinary positions. In fact, I'm pretty sure there's one. Samurai dry cleaner, in which ah. some disagreeable person pisses him off and he starts shouting, takes out his sword and gets old Japanese on his ass. I think I, I did that a couple of times. Uh, I think you'll find it's called Iron Chef. Iron Chef, that's the one. And don't get this woman started on the guy that's on that doing the hosting because she's going to go all soppy. Uh, Alton Brown. Oh, Dookie, and he shows up in the next category. Can I just explain my love for Alton? Before that, though, there's one person who... Yes. ...nearly crossed the pond. Yes. Well, he didn't nearly cross the pond. He crossed the pond for a bit. Oh, I know who you're going to say. British viewers did not take a liking to him. That's because he's a dick. Bobby Flay. Yeah, that Robert guy... Flay. You know, if you're looking like the... Who's the guy... Who's the kid? You know who I'm talking about? Oh, Danny Bonaduce. Yeah, he looks a bit like Danny Bonaduce, but he also looks like Alfred E. Newman. From Mad Comics. From Mad Magazine, Mm. yeah. So, and, you know, I'm not having a go at the guy. You know, you can't, I can't help that I have a fat ass. But, but, you know, it doesn't make me a bad person. But the, the fact that the guy, he's just. There's something, what would you Brits say, unsavory? The one thing about his show, which I found quite disturbing, is the show called The, the Throwdown. There's an American phrase. Yeah, where they have some weird and he, he goes to somewhere like Philadelphia, in which there's a dish which is associated with that part of the world. So Philadelphia, he will find what is apparently the best or one of the most famous places which does the Philly steak sandwich. And he will have a throwdown where he's there making it next to a family-run business who have been there since 1897. And people have to do a blindfold test. And he's super competitive and he wins quite frequently. Yeah, let's get the millionaire chef in to come in and shit all over somebody's mom and pop business. And That's why the guy's an asshole. So then the local people then start feeling guilty for having chosen this ginger-haired, nasty piece of work, Alfred E. Newman-looking motherfucker for, in effect, reducing... A local institution, local heroes, sometimes making hero sandwiches to mere silver and bronze medal winners. Or losers, really. So let's talk about someone nice. The next category? Shut it down! Educating you about shit food. You've only got one in this category, and it is Alton Brown's Good Eats. Yes. Oh, my word, is he yummy. 
He is super yummy. Oh, he's so yummy, Dookie. Arguably, uh, a number of the Heston Blumenthal shows also involve an educating element. Yeah, the thing about Alton Brown, though, is that he's so scientific that he kind of is like, it's kind of scary. You know, you go to, like, make a grilled cheese and he's giving you like a whole physics textbook on how to make a grilled cheese. So instead of just sticking, sticking some cheese between some toast, you know, you're thinking about, you know, the chemistry of the toast happening with the cheese. It, it, you know, you can get you can get a bit of stage fright. It is as entertaining as it is intimidating in, in a way. He's a super brainy person, incredibly enigmatic. And did you know that um, in the 1980s, he was responsible for directing or at least being involved in the video production of a number of R.E.M. videos? Ah, yes. He's so from he Georgia was. as are or as were R.E.M. Dookie, he has farting sock puppets. Yes, he was describing the role of yeast yeast, and as a way to describe the whole process in which yeast yeast does what it does. They were yeast sock puppets. He had sock puppets who belched and farted. Because that's what yeast do. They release gas to make your dough bigger. And he illustrated that with sock puppets. Oh, Alton, if you're listening, oh, I love you. When he started Good Eats, he was very, very skinny. Then he became quite plump. Oh, and now I don't he's mind a bit of plumpy. Very skinny again. Oh, Alton, I'll take you with some plump. He's got a little bit of a, a Thomas Dolby thing happening. Oh, yes, Google the man. Um, okay, around before the time she of blinded me with science. Before she melts into a puddle of goo, I'm kind of interested in the what you got down for the next one. Shut it down. I'm gonna make you say I just chat myself. Yes, but we have been talking about shit appetites, shit restaurants, so shat myself or chat myself came to mind. Rachel this is Ray. Where, yes, Rachel Ray. This is where cooking programs merged in the way that beautiful ingredients come together to create something special that's bigger and more delicious than their two constituents. Anyway, it's where food programs and chat shows suddenly merged. And yeah, so she's making like a paella and all of a sudden she's like interviewing, sitting down over a cup of coffee with Sharon Osbourne. That's right, or Dennis Leary. And yeah, they I, sometimes would make something and they talk about food and new productions. And Rachel Ray, raspy voice. She has the likability factor. I don't know. See, I went to make her... I've actually got her minestrone recipe. I've done the Rachel Ray minestrone many, many times. Her big thing was instead of saying extra virgin olive oil, she'd say E-V-O-O. E-V-O-O. And it sets my teeth on edge. And, you know, I don't like cooking as it is. And I'm trying to make some stupid minestrone because you recommended the recipe to me, Dookie. And it says E-V-O-O. And and right away, I'm, I'm more irritated. I find her irritating. Another person who had a chat show, although it went down uh, the toilet quite rapidly, Nigella Lawson. And I believe she incorporated a food element into it in North America. Now, I won't hear a word against the Nigella because, you know, she she's is an institution. She's Nigella. Should we move on? Shut it down. Amazing shit you can do with food. Yes. Basically, it begins and ends with Heston. 
Indeed, it's turning food into a spectacle in which bits of technology that you would never ever consider for the culinary world get used to mix and deconstruct and fuck with your brain and mind. Dookie, I have a confession to make. I yes. did try to make Heston's macaroni and cheese because it looked amazing, right? And and I don't like really floury sauces because they get really gloppy. Using a roux, basically, as yeah, the I don't, foundation. I don't, you know, I don't mind it. But, I, I, you know, I just thought he does it without flour. He does it with, with white wine. And, it, you know, I got to say it turned out okay. But the only problem is it made enough for a mouse. You know, if I'm going to cook, I'm going to go all out. I want a lot of food and I want a lot of leftovers so I don't have to cook for another day or two, right? This, I was like, okay, I got a thimble full of sauce from a bottle of wine and a brick of cheese. And I don't know how that happened. You know, it tasted really nice. You know, it was really good. But, you know, I couldn't make it for me and Sylve because I'd be like, there's not enough. And maybe that says more about what a pig I am than it does about Heston. It probably does. If you've got to go to Boeing or British Aerospace or Lockheed Martin to get the gear in order to create something that doesn't look like how it's supposed to, but incorporates elements of history and that when you have it, you go, fuck me. This reminds me of my childhood. Uh, I think yeah, I didn't need anything special. I just needed wine and some corn flour and some cheese. No, but, but his his shows largely are like that, where he will produce either the best version of something that will involve tools and things which would take a two fan weeks. and a barbecue. Yes, a yeah. blowtorch that would only be used as a special effects. Um, utility in yeah, a film. Yeah, mostly. You know, the thing that I, you know, I really liked Heston until he left his wife. You know, what is what is with these these chefs? You know, they're like rock stars now. Like, you know, they go and get famous, they leave their wives. You know, Gordon Ramsay apparently was shagging all over London. You know. What's this? Shut it down! Uh, you know, uh, John Tarot... You know, he goes to the States. He's your Australian guy. He's, you know, got a, you know, he goes to the States and hooks up with the, his co-presenter there, even though he's been happily married. Heston, his wife seemed, you know, really supportive of him. He goes and leaves her. Nigella he, left the lovely yeah, Charles Yeah, that's different Satchi. though. Charles, <laughs> by the way, I met a dog this morning. Half a pound of tuppenny rice, half a pound of treacle. That's the way the money goes. Pop. Goes the weasel. She just, she was like, oh, this is Sachi. And I was like, I don't really care. But it, why would you name your dog after some misogynist wife beater? I, I don't know. I didn't ask, but you know, I just, uh, anyway, should we move on to the, the, the final one? Shut it down. Lifestyle food shit. This is something which certainly started in the 1990s in the UK. Jamie Oliver. The Naked Chef. It was very much about his delivery. All right, mate, you get a carrot, which is really, really nice, and you chop it up and you make a stew and it's sexy. Uh, as well as living in Clerkenwell and the parties and him playing with his band and going out and yeah, but enjoying the, all that London has to offer. In the States, Dookie, it really began and ended with uh, Ina Garden. Of course, a barefoot contessa. Yeah, now, 
the I, Hamptons lifestyle. Yeah, no, I, I Are we don't going to mind. talk about the elephant in the room? With what, regards to Ina. What's going on with her husband? Jeffrey and her have been married since... For a hundred years. Yes. And he's never home. No. And she hangs out with an awful lot of men who I believe are huge Judy Garland fans. Yes, he may never be home, but Jeffrey he is home-loving. Home he likes being home eventually. He comes home eventually, but... He's a homeowner, but isn't at home a lot. Yeah, I think we get it. Um... He seems a lovely person, and they seem to be a lovely couple. I can't help but think that there's some kind of arrangement. Yeah, I think they have an arrangement. What You know, I'm a pig, but wow, she makes a lot of food. Also, I challenge you to, if you like to drink, and we at the Dookie Radio Show are not trying to urge people to drink or to suggest that they do so, but if you are a drinker and you need to have an excuse with which to imbibe, the Barefoot Contessa drinking game is the quickest way to possibly send yourself to hospital quicker than it would be if you were to take one of those Adam Richmond challenges. And that is to have a shot of whatever you fancy every time she says the word flavour. Oh, good grief. I'd be in casualty by the first recipe. She needs a thesaurus at the Barefoot Contessa restaurant. She's very lovely, though. She is incredibly likeable. She could be my mom. The portions though my yeah you know i couldn't you know i am a pig and i do like leftovers but god i think you know it's only me and sylph living at home if i make that i'll have leftovers for the you know until 2017 uh we're just gonna add a little bit of sugar and then she adds yeah god woman cut down on the you know i'm getting diabetic just watching it it adds loads of flavor yeah dookie i think we've covered it we spend a lot of time watching food shows don't we Maybe too much time. I really hope you don't mind me asking, but do you row? Dookie, I'm going to suggest having two addendums to this show. Is that the right word? Addendum. Addendum is the right word now, yes. There's one very sad one and one happy one. And I thought that we should start with the sad one and end on a happier note. Right. The sad one is, Dookie, you know more about this than I do. The lovely couple of people who used to do the Sly and Red show on the Croydon Radio Show. Yes, when the Dookie Radio Show was hosted by Croydon Radio, we were very, very chumsy with another show which took place at the station called The Slyand Red Show. And we received very, very depressing news that Mark, who played the character of uh, Sly, uh, passed away quite suddenly at a ridiculously young age. And that their show was amazing. Show was so good, and for people who have been following us for a while, and particularly those people that used to visit the chat room when the Dukey Radio Show was going live on Croydon Radio, will know that the dynamic duo who put that show together uh, were regular visitors into the room and contributed a great deal. And to make matters even more. Intent and emotive is that I believe Mark and Andy, Sly and Reg, 
I think they've known each other since school days. And um, it's very sad. And we would just like to send our condolences to his family and to his radio partner. And to say how sorry we are, it's a huge loss to radio and to the airwaves. Should we move on to something happier? Yes. Because I'm sure Sly would like us to end on a happy note. Absolutely. We talked about the show Dog Hotel last time. Oh, my word, Dookie. We talked about Matt and Leon. They own the Dog Hotel in Shoreham, which is just outside Brighton. They are the best couple ever. It is the greatest tragedy known to mankind that I am not related to Matt and Leon. Ditto me. Dookie, they have been in touch. They have indeed (gasps) been in touch. And Dookie, you phoned me. I was away working. I was working in a rather depressed area of London and uh, not London, England. And I am telling you that city lit up like the Hindu festival of Diwali. I was the smiliest person on the phone. People were actually looking at me going, nobody has actually smiled that hard in this city ever. When you were telling me that Matt and Leon liked the Dookie Facebook show, liked the Dookie show on Facebook. No, <gasps> it was on Twitter. On Twitter. It was I'm on Twitter. Sorry. And they retweeted a number <gasps> of Dookie radio show tweets. Dookie. Including oh. one in which I quoted your very comment about oh. the fact that it, it is a vile vile tragedy that we are not related to the two of them and um they happiness they also on a personal level and uh, molly is getting quite big-headed as a result but matt matt himself favorited not one not two not three not four not five not six not seven <gasps> oh, but dookie. eight photographs of molly the sprolly i don't think i'm a bigger fan of anything than i am of the dog hotel and the house of hugo i don't uh, think i think that is i am the biggest fan of them smiling from ear to ear and three different twitter concerns related to them Matt's Twitter account, Leon's Twitter account, and the House of Hugo Twitter account, within the space of 20 minutes, sent messages of thanks for our review and kind comments, and that they really enjoy the fact that we love the show. There was some retweeting happening, and I've got to be honest, and I'll level with you. I'm not a huge Twitter fan. I don't take part in it as much as I should. But seeing that they had a presence and also wanting to let them know in a not-too-crawly way that we were bigging up their programme, I felt duty-bound to, well, to tweet about our love for them and it meant the world it meant the world that they got in touch you guys are going to be standing outside that hotel with a trench coats a big newspaper and a sunglasses mustache combo and a a flashlight i half agree with you Uh, we're not going to go in disguise you know i don't need to disguise myself well that's your lot Food, dictators, flatulent, otters, twigs, hot tub karaoke, and lesbian-friendly pronouns. 
We really do put the ow in highbrow here at the Dookie Radio Show. (laughs) And by the way, my name is Dookie and I've been your host. May the worst of tomorrow be the best of yesterday. Now it's time for me to go and uh, pop my weasel. Thanks for listening. Half a pound of tuppenny rice, half a pound of treacle. That's the way the money goes. Pop goes the weasel. Lost boat lines, lost at sea. I've been trying to reach your shores. The waves of death keep drowning me. Oh, the dreams that we was building. We never fulfilled them. Could be better, should be better. Lessons in love. Yeah, where's Sue been? Uh, she's on an archaeological dig getting so, so dirty. Click on your mouse to our Facebook page Facebook It's easy to find, it will not take an age Facebook www.facebook.com Forward slash The Dookie Radio Show The Dookie Radio Show The thin white Dookie is right. Click your way to the Dookie Radio Show Facebook page. www.facebook.com forward slash the Dookie Radio Show. The Dookie Radio Show. The Dookie Radio Show.